Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred word for the Bible, and each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. It is Tuesday, spooky day, October 31st, 2023. Um, yeah, the day when all those little trick-or-treaters start hitting the roadways tonight, sidewalks, asking for candy. So, I don't know. Do you guys get trick-or-treaters where you are? We, um, we... We do and don't like we have them in our neighborhood, but they don't come over where we are like this area for some reason. So um, at least for the last two years, that's how it's been. We'll see how it is tonight. But It seems like, yeah, it seems like there are just certain places they go. And I think parents are more apt to take their kids to like a, a festival of some kind like that's put on by maybe a church or school. Um and just, I don't know, just seems seems like there's fewer. Or maybe I'm just in different, or the wrong area. I don't know. So you get uh, trick-or-treaters, huh, Lee? Oh, they're not allowed in your neighborhood, Debbie. Okay. Yeah. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, last year we actually had to, like, jump on the golf cart and go hand out golf uh, candy. We're like finding trick-or-treaters down the road. Hey, do you want candy? We have extra. <laughs> it's like a DoorDash for trick-or-treaters. We come to you. <laughs> How about how's that for service? You don't even have to go to the door. We gonna we're, we come to you and give you the candy. That's what we had to do last year. Because we do not need all that candy left over. No, sir. Uh-uh. I mean... Start showing up in Christmas stockings. Worse than that, sometimes Halloween candy starts showing up in Easter baskets back when the kids were little. Be like, I've seen that candy before. Here it is showing up on Easter Sunday. Hmm. <laughs> um, all right, you guys, we're at uh, Hebrews chapter 9 today. Um, I was saying earlier, if you were on at the beginning of the, the, the broadcast that I, I said Hebrews chapter 10 yesterday, but as you probably ob observed, we were in chapter eight, so we would not be skipping over to chapter 10. So that was my fault. It's chapter nine today. Hebrews chapter nine. Welcome, everybody. Great to have you guys on. Thank you for uh, your engagement comments. Um, so yeah, feel free as we are reading through this, if something, um, stands out to you, feel free to jot your comments in there in your, in the chat, hit that like button and subscribe, all those good things. All right, let's jump in Hebrews chapter nine. Welcome everybody. You know, what we do, we read, we pray, we change the world. Let's go. All right. Now, the first covenant had regulations for worship. 
and also an earthly sanctuary. Okay, so the uh, the um, the first covenant, um, the temple structure, all of that, the Torah, the law, and uh, the elaborate temple structure and sacrifices. So now the first covenant had regulations for worship and and also an earthly sanctuary. Okay, there was a sanctuary you went to, you know, uh, outer court, inner court, holy place, most holy place, which was the uh, reserved for the Day of Atonement, which is coming up pretty soon. If someone wants to Google that real quick, Day of Atonement 2023, I think it's actually it's already passed. I think it's already passed. Yeah, it has. It was earlier in October, I think. Um, yeah, but um, this this year and this month has gone by so fast. It's like wow, it's already the end of October. So uh, verse two, a tabernacle was set up. Now, tabernacle was the precursor to the sanctuary, right? Was or the precursor to the temple, the tabernacle uh, instituted by Moses in the wilderness. And was a tent. It was portable. had had stakes. had like pegs. You know, like you could move it. It could move with the people. Um, I've often thought that in some ways, the temple was a better representation than the than the temple. The tabernacle was a better representation to the tap than the temple. Because it was portable, it moved with the people. That's much more like the Spirit of God than the than the temple in some ways, right? The temple, which is a, is is isolated to a singular place, whereas the tabernacle was mobile. It went with the people, uh, and the people could move with the Spirit of God. Uh, so I think, in some ways, the, the tabernacle is a better uh, visual representation, earthly representation. Of the movement of God than even the um, the temple was. The tabernacle was better. Verse two, a tabernacle was set up. How many of you ever been to an old tabernacle? That's a funny. That's a funny word. Always is a funny word to me. Tabernacle. Tabernacle. That's a word we don't use very much anymore. We use tent, but we don't use the. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with a little tabernacle. Just that's a funny sounding word. Tabernacle, tabernacle. The more you say it, the funnier it gets. Tabernacle. Anyway, have you ever been to worship service in a tabernacle? Come on, let's see those hands. Like in a tent, like a big tent revival. Yeah. When I first became a Christian, I wanted to go to a, a big tent revival. And I finally did. I finally did go. I went to, went to a couple. Um. Uh, it wasn't as, it was, let's just say it kind of was oversold. It was hot. The sound system squealed. The seats were very uncomfortable. Uh, and the preacher was like a professional wrestler. He yelled at us a lot. Um, you gonna, we're gonna go get them. Like that. Let's go. You know. Kind of like a professional wrestler. And so, 
I see a few people there. You guys have been to Tabernacles before. Yeah. Maybe your experience was better, you know. Maybe your experience was better. I mean, I've been to some outdoor services that have been powerful, but my experience at the uh, the old big tent <laughs> was less than exciting. So, but anyway, a tabernacle was set up in its first room, where the lampstand and the table, its consecrated bread. This was called the holy place. Okay. Behind the second curtain was a room called the most holy place. All right, so that's like the inner, the inner sanctum of the, uh, of the temple. This is where the high priest would go, right? Um, the most holy place, which had the golden altar of incense and the gold-covered Ark of the Covenant. Right. The ark contained the gold char, uh, uh, the gold jar of what is that? That's what manna means. I was I preached on that at New Spring Sunday. That you know God gave the children of Israel manna from heaven every day, and I don't know how we visualize manna. It's like this beautiful thing. But the children of Israel's response, their reaction to manna uh, is revealed in the name. Manna means, what is that? <laughs> God gave them, what is that? That's what they said. They were like, what is that? What is, what is this? We were eating big meals in Egypt. What is this? What is that? And they had, what is that, for 40 years. <laughs> you ever... You ever sit down at a restaurant and you're like, what is that? I don't, but what is that? Well, they had what is that? And well, it's what manna is. Next time so you have that, you sit down and say, so you, you just go, you point to something on the, on the table and you're like, manna. And people think it's a compliment, but you're really saying, what is that? Right? You'd be like, what is that? A replica of what? A replica of the uh, Holy of Holies temple? Just north of the sponge dots. Hmm. Um, so the ark contained a gold jar of, what is that? Aaron's staff that budded and the stone tablets of the covenant. Above the ark were the cherubim of the glory, overshadowing the atonement cover. But we cannot discuss these things in detail now. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Tabernacle. Okay. Oh, there's a replica of the tabernacle north of the sponge docks. All right. If you ever want to see a replica, go check it out. I did not know that. Um... Verse 6, when everything had been arranged like this, the priest entered regularly into the outer room to carry on their ministry. So they went into the outer, the, the holy place, but not the most holy place. They went into the holy place. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that only once a year, and never without blood, 
which he offered for himself and for the sins of the pe- for the sins the people had committed in ignorance. So there were uh, uh, there's sins that I used to do a daily prayer. Uh, was it actually Martin Luther uh, prayer journal, uh, prayer devotional, and that was one of the prayers in that book was God forgive me for my. Uh, how does it say it? Forgive me for the sins that I've committed, and forgive. And I'm, I'm summarizing. Forgive me for the sins that. Um, that I, basically the sins that I did not, I basically committed out of ignorance. Um, but then the ones, basically the ones that I've, I've tried to forget, essentially. Um, and I've, and because I've tried to forget them, I've forgotten. (laughs) It's essentially... Forgive me for those sins. Um, forgive me those those sins of omission and commission. Those one those sins that I actively did did doing things I shouldn't have done. And forgive me for those things that that I I should have been doing but I didn't do. Omission. Um, and here the uh, the Hebrew writers reminding us that the, the high priest offered sacrifices for sin, uh, even for those sins that were done in. Uh, ignorance. That's why, you know, that's why the argument, like, do I sin, like, you've heard this argument, uh, I sin every day. That's true and false. There are sins of ignorance we we do probably every day. We, we do. So if someone says, I sin every day, you know, I sin every day, you know, it's probably true. I mean, even someone who's, who lives a godly, holy life, there's probably sins of ignorance, like things I'm just ignorant. I'm ignorant of the things that you know would would uh, would truly please God. That would be even better for me and better for others. Of ignorance, it's not it's not sins of volition. It's not sins that I like actively went out and tried to do, but there are sins of ignorance. So I sin every day. Yeah, we sin out of ignorance every day. But it isn't true that you have to sin in volition every day. No. I'm, I, you know what? I just sin every day. I go out and I do some sins every day. Well, you don't have to. You don't. You don't have to just run out and go do some sins. Now you're a human being. You just play some things you do out of ignorance, but you don't just have to go out and do some sins today and tomorrow. No, no. <laughs> All right. We got to read, man. We got this is a longer chapter. I'm just here, just anyway. Um. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and only that once a year, and never without blood, for which he offered for himself for the sins of the, pe- the people had committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was showing by this that the way into the most holy place had not yet been disclosed as long as the first tabernacle was still functioning. This is an illustration for the present time, indicating that the gifts and sacrifices being made were not able to clear the conscience of the worshiper. They were only a matter of food and drink and various ceremonial washings. External regulations applying until the time of the new order. So the fact that you had to continue to do them over and over and over was a reminder that they were not permanent. Verse 11, But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, yeah, 
he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say, is not part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, come all, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood. Praise God. Again, the temple, tabernacle here, reflection of heaven, of the presence of God in heaven. And uh, in some way that mirrors the reality of heaven. And Jesus entered not the physical tabernacle, he entered the spiritual tabernacle, the real one, not by the blood of animals and goats, but by his own blood, once and for all, thus obtaining eternal, not, not temporary, not annual redemption, but eternal redemption. Come on, that's awesome. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a, of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially, ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they are outwardly clean. How much more then, all right, will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciences from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? Ooh, man, there's a lot there. So the, the ceremonial cleansings that took place in the temple, they served to cleanse the outward, to make one outwardly clean but it did nothing to clear the conscience. It did nothing to clear the, the sin nature inside or the, uh, the guilt that one carried. But Jesus, the perfect high priest, who also offered his own blood, is able to cleanse our consciences, our, cleanse our minds, our, the feeling of guilt and regret caused from sin. It cleanses that. So that we can serve the living God freely and um, without condemnation. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant, that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. In the case, in the case of a will, it is necessary to prove the death of the one who made it. Because a will is in force only when someone has died. Okay, so he's using an illustration of a will or a covenant, right? So a will takes effect when the uh, when someone dies. That's when a will takes the uh, the promises or the agreements of that will are executed or put into effect. Because a will is in force only when someone has died. It never takes effect while one is made while the one who made it is living. This is why. Even the first covenant was not put into effect without blood. When Moses had proclaimed every command of the law to the people, he took the blood of calves, together with water, scarlet wool, and branches of hyssop, and sprinkled the scroll and all the people. Hmm. He said, this is the blood of the covenant, which God has commanded you to keep. In the same way, he sprinkled the blood both he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and everything used in its ceremonies. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Hmm. The blood was a representative of the severity of sin, right? That it was, it was, it was, um, it was, uh, it, it, it was uh, life and death, and 
um, innocent blood was shed for guilt, for guilty blood, for life, for guilty life, innocent life, for guilty life. Without the shedding, without a, the innocent life being shed for the guilty, there's no forgiveness. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with those sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with a better sacrifice than these. Mm. So he's saying uh, the, uh, the earthly sacrifices were cleansed with blood from this earth, that is, the blood of animals and bulls, life from this earth. But the heavenly, the, 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 the true tabernacle, the, the, um, the reality, the true tabernacle, would have to be cleansed with something much better, greater, which it was, the blood of Jesus. The, the, the making way, the, uh, the, the, uh, the work of that high priest had to be greater so that we could enter into the holy place. It was necessary then for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified by the sacrifices by these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. Verse 24, for Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Wow. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year, with blood that is not his own, so he goes year after year after year, offering the blood of animals. Uh, but Jesus is better, greater than that. He doesn't have to go over and over and over and over and over. Verse 26, otherwise Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. Um, but he has appeared, here we go, once for all at the culmination of the ages to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. He's a perfect sacrifice. That's why, you know, no offense to my Catholic brothers and sisters, but that is why, strictly speaking, the crucifix is not the proper symbol, is not the most adequate symbol, symbol of what Jesus is doing and who he is right now. Uh, he is not continually offering himself again and again. He did it once for all on the cross 2,000 years ago. Jesus is not on the cross anymore. He is not offering himself day after day after day after day after day. No. He did that once for all, for all sins. He is now uh, seated in victory at the right hand of God the Father until he places everything, come on, until he places everything under his feet. Yes. Just as people are destined to die once and after that, the, and face, after that face judgment, the point for man to want to die and then the judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many, and he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. He is sitting at the right hand of God. He is, uh, he will, next time he comes, he's not going to be coming to sacrifice for sin. He already did that. He's going to be coming to, uh, to bring salvation to all those who are waiting for him. Mm. That's awesome. All right, you guys. Hey, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your holy word. Thank you that you are, uh, you have provided a perfect sacrifice. 
Jesus, you are perfect. You are the perfect high priest, and your blood cleanses totally and perfectly. Thank you, Lord, for freedom from sin, that we do not have to live with guilt and condemnation, but we can live with our minds cleansed, our hearts cleansed, um, as we eagerly wait for you. Lord, I pray for my friends today. I pray that you would bless and encourage each of my brothers and sisters. May you strengthen them and encourage them today. Help them sense your presence and peace in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, my friends. Thank you so much for taking time to be in the Word of God today. Hope you guys have a fantastic day. We'll be back at it tomorrow, this time with Hebrews chapter 10, indeed. <laughs> so have a great day. Before you log off, be sure to hit that like button. Thank you for your comments and feedback. Really appreciate that. You guys have a fantastic Tuesday. Stay safe out there. Look out for those little kiddos who are on the sidewalks and streets this evening. Keep an eye out. Keep them safe. Look out for each other. All right, you guys. Love you. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, take a minute to subscribe or comment or share it with your friends. You can find me, Pastor Terry, and Bayside Church on all social media platforms. You can find Bayside at Bayside Church SH. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.